<laughs> you know, you knuckleheads just never think or never listen. Le'Veon Bell, the star running back for Pittsburgh Steelers. You thought that he was going to resign. Deadline was coming on Tuesday, 4 o'clock. News and speculations in media said that he was in the fitness facilities in Heinz Field. He was around the Steelers locker rooms, working out with his buddies. And you guys just drunk the Kool-Aid. You thought that Le'Veon Bell was going to sign for that one-year, $14 million franchise tag that he has religiously said he's not doing. Le'Veon Bell, Steelers running back superstar, set to make millions in this upcoming free agency this year. And we welcome you guys inside of our broadcast booth. Myself, Sebi here on Sebi's podcast. Whether you're listening on air or online, Sebi's podcast is wherever you go. Tune in on WNSC Radio or streaming online on YouTube. And uh, my opening segment today, folks, is proud and sponsored by Revamp Barbershop. Revamp Barbershop, the official barbershop of Sebi's podcast. Ricky the Barber, Chandler the Barber, and the entire gang has invited Everyone in the community as well as students located on the University of Central Florida. Facial hair, beards, haircuts, lineups, and more. You might want to get your next haircut from Revamp Barbershop. And this is my opening segment here in Sebi's podcast. And today, we'll go ahead and touch in on the Le'Veon Bell saga. We'll also talk about my teams that are lined up to make a deep postseason run here in the NFL. We'll do a lot of NFL Week 10 recap and a special guest star from Lincoln, Nebraska. But it's all coming up here in Sebi's Podcast. And we're back here on the show here on Sebi's podcast. And um, this Le'Veon Bell saga, you know, this this controversy, this confliction with the Rooney family and Tom, Mike Tomlin, who's been the Steelers head coach for over a decade now in his 12th or 13th season as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. When you have a star like Le'Veon Bell, who's dynamic you could put him out wide you could put him in the x he can pass catch he can pass catch he can catch passes should i say um you can put him in a backfield you know how dynamic he can do um he's very patient that's what he's known for patient letting his blockers develop and then hitting the hole he's great at you know picking up blitzes he's big he, he likes to chug forward and most importantly he helps Big Ben in the offense and makes the Steelers' offense go. Now, I know Antonio Brown is an all-world talent, an all-time great. I think he'll be in the Hall of Fame. His numbers and his resume thus far, the totality that he's had in Pittsburgh, uh, that speaks for itself. But the engine that makes the Pittsburgh Steelers go is undoubtedly Le'Veon Bell. That's where they got the nickname of the Killer Bees, Ben Bell Brown, Roethlisberger, Le'Veon, Antonio, Ben Bell Brown, the machine, the thing that gets that engine running is Le'Veon Bell. 
And then for the last two or three seasons, you have disrespected this man and not paid him big time money. $14.5 million franchise tag tender. When he has stated he will not do that. Now, Le'Veon, hey, I get it. You want to get your money. You know what I'm saying? And I'm all for it. You know, I think you're big time. Le'Veon Bell is big time. Last year, leading the NFL in total uh, uh, rushing attempts in 331. Um, well over 1,000 yards in the last three or four seasons. He can pass catch. He had seven uh, uh, pass catching touchdowns last year. That was second in the NFL to uh, the Rams' Todd Gurley. But, you know, this whole saga, man, you're not showing up. You're staying at home. You're missing out on all this money. Perhaps you're making a statement. But I take a look in the mirror and I reflect this on ownership of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, I get it. It's a salary cap era. You know, you can't pay everybody. Antonio's already gotten paid. Ben is in his dwindling in his last couple years as the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, you've got other pieces, especially secondary need that you need. Uh, we know how much they need secondary help, as well as uh, cornerback help. And you're trying to pay some of the dudes in the front seven. You can't pay everybody, especially in the cap era. But a guy like Le'Veon Bell, who does so much for you. Again, pass catches. You can put him out wide, match him up with linebackers. You can even put him out with safeties. You could put him in the backfield, whether he can run the ball or wait till his blockers develop and hit the hole, or you can run screens with him. He can pick up blitzes. He can do it all. A multifaceted running back. A star like that. And you don't find any lick or any way to pay a dynamic player like that and you know what i get it you know james connor is really good and perhaps they've seen something in james connor that made the pittsburgh steelers not gamble and push the buttons to re-sign Le'Veon bell because james connor is good you know what i'm saying he's second in the nfl right now in rushing um he's he's averaging well over four yards per carry um this is a guy in in james connor that has been competent in the absence of Le'Veon bell now of course he's not gonna be Le'Veon bell you know <laughs> things that Le'Veon bell do for you they just can't be replaced but here's my thing with the pittsburgh steelers if this behavior this uncalled for saga that Le'Veon is doing outside of the field, not showing up to practices, trying to make a statement, saying that he wants to be paid and you don't want to pay him. Why don't you use that as an asset? Why do you not use that as an asset to yourself and trade Le'Veon Bell? Because what we've seen so far in James Conner has just been nothing short of you know, greatness. He's been very productive, again, in, in the absence of Le'Veon Bell. And, and you know, he's had some big-time games. He runs with this rage and this anger. And we all know where, where James Conner's from, you know? It, his story, his background, He perhaps he might have not been alive at this point. But that always sinks in his head and remembers that, hey, I came up from nothing you know, I, I had this disorder. I had this 
um, trauma that I couldn't been out of the NFL and, and been playing football, period. And he got a chance, got drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers and waited for his time backing up Le'Veon Bell. And now his time is shining and he has taken every moment and every time and just, you know, synced it all. And he's been dominant, you know, again, <laughs> more than four yards per carry, well over 100 yards, second in the NFL in rushing. You know, if you told me that Le'Veon Bell would not play, they had a, sec a running back that would lead sec be second in the NFL in rushing over four yards per carry and be this dominant. I would say that, you know what, the, the Steelers wouldn't miss a beat. And that's exactly what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? They're they're five and two right now, five two and one. You know they they got that one tie with the Browns, and you know they need secondary help, they need safety help. Why don't you trade Le'Veon Bell, who has the utmost value at this point, utmost value at this point, instead of letting him slide into free agency and get nothing for him? You know why don't you take a page from the NBA playbook? You know. What did, uh, um, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers do for Kyrie Irving? Knowing that he wanted out, asking, requesting for a trade. You trade him because you don't want him to go out of free agency for nothing. Now, granted, Kyrie Irving's issue is different because he was still under contract. But you get the similarities. Uh, others like is Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard did not want to play for the San Antonio Spurs. Did not like the organization anymore. What did the San Antonio Spurs do? Rather than letting a top three player in the NBA, and, and trust me, the, the San Antonio Spurs know the value of a Kawhi Leonard. Rather than letting them walk away for nothing, they trade him to Toronto Raptors, get a couple pieces, a couple draft picks, and of course, DeMar DeRozan. So why don't you take a place from that playbook and use that and go and get you an Earl Thomas out of Seattle, who himself wants out of Seattle. What better situation then moving Le'Veon Bell to Seattle, getting safety help, an all-time pro like an Earl Thomas to solidify that back end of the secondary. A leader. You know what I'm saying? Or Patrick Peterson in Arizona. Patrick Peterson has been a shutdown, lockdown, bona fide cornerback in the NFL for some time and wants out. In a, in a team with the Arizona Cardinals that's just been in disarray. And yet, you see that? You know you have those needs. You know that those have been your Achilles heel for the last three seasons to representing the AFC in the Super Bowl, getting over that hump, whether it's the Patriots or any other team in the AFC. And you just don't do it. And now, you're going to lose on Le'Veon Bell. You're going to lose on having that type of value and gaining something for that. Perhaps getting a draft pick for that. Perhaps getting a star or maybe a quality player for that. Uh, you, The way that the market's been going, you could have got a first, second, or third round pick. I I've personally think you could have got a first or second for Le'Veon Bell, but you didn't do that. And I blame that on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we'll be back.
And we're back here on Sebi's podcast here. And um, week 10 in the NFL was pretty interesting. You know, there are no undefeated teams anymore. We're down to three one-loss teams. And these three long one-loss teams, you know, I would rank them like this. As how dangerous I'm projecting them to be. The three three lost teams are the Saints, the Chiefs, and the LA Rams. And um, the playoffs are right around the corner. This is November. Thanksgiving is coming around. And when Thanksgiving comes, that's when teams really start to hit their stride. They start to hit January type of football, late December type of football, mugged, cold, in snow. You need to have teams that can play great defense and run the football because in climate changes and temperatures like that, you need to know how to run the football and play good defense. You know, obviously, this is a passing league. Um, Quarterbacks are going to put up numbers. Receivers are going to put up numbers as well. And blah, 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 blah. You know, we all like points and stuff. But come late November, early January and December, real tough playoff football starts to happen. That's when you can distinguish the pretenders against the real contenders in the NFL. And here are my uh, top three one-loss teams and how I would rank them. Number one, the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints, folks, they're going to be a problem. Drew Brees this season has just had this magical carpet ride you know he never beat the baltimore ravens one team that he has never beaten he's beaten all other 31 teams going to mmt bank field in baltimore and defeating them record-breaking performances we've seen he has the um all-time uh passing yards passing brett Favre and peyton manning you know now passing brett Favre for the all-time touchdown Um, passing list and you know Drew Brees is just on this magical Cinderella ride and boy does he have some weapons Michael Thomas this is a guy Michael Thomas guys when we talk about some of the more dynamic receivers in the NFL we don't tend to use his name as much we think of Odell Beckham we think of AJ Green we think of Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins and Antonio Brown and rightfully so These guys are top-tier receivers. We're talking amongst the all-time greats. These guys are special. But there needs to be an extra space for Michael Thomas. Since entering the league in 2014, this guy has only Odell, Julio, and and AB has more receiving yards than this guy. He's been the receptions leader for the last three seasons starting in 2015 michael thomas is beast you know he's he's your prototypical modern day receiver because you can line him up in the slot you can line him up out wide and you know he can beat you deep because of his frame his size michael thomas is a beast for that saints team i haven't seen any corner thus far this season that has been able to cover him and then the two toys that Drew Brees has at his disposal in the backfield. Thunder and Lightning. We're talking Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara, special. Fast. 
matchup nightmare because you can line them up with uh, linebackers. You can line them up with safeties. <laughs> Sometimes, which is crazy. I see them line him up with defensive ends. And you're just asking yourself for trouble. You throw him screens. And then he's your home run hitter. He's your lightning rod. And then you have Mark Ingram. The other facet. The ground and pound. The tough, gritty, getting chunks of yards. You need three or four yards stuck in your head in there. In front of all the trenches and the defensive line. And you need to pick up a first down. You hand the ball off to Mark Ingram. And these guys went to Ralph Brown Stadium last week in Cincinnati and put up a 51-yard burger in front of the faithful in Cincinnati. 51 points. Drew Brees has just been blessed to have these type of talent around him. Ingram, Thomas, Kamara. He's had some great players thus far in his career. But I think if there's any time that Drew Brees will benefit in this offense and potentially win another Super Bowl, this is his greatest moment. This is his greatest team and his greatest chance to because these guys are special. They're young. They're fast. They, they're mismatched nightmares for defenses to game plan for. And New Orleans is my number one one-loss team that I can foresee in the foreseen as for the future going into the playoffs that can make some damage number two i'm gonna go with the la rams you know what the la rams remind me of they remind me of peyton manning and the colts inside of that dome environment when you had freeney and uh robert mathis on the other side when you had todd when you had um excuse me, Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison and Dallas Clark when you had Edron James at your disposal. That offense was just potent, you know. Inside of that dome, you know that Peyton Manning was not only going to, you know, put up numbers and put up yards, but they were going to, you know, wallop teams. And then you had, you know, Bob Sanders, that great Colts team back in the early 2000s. This is what the LA Rams remind me of. You know, Sean McVay, Tony Dungy, and Jared Goff, Peyton Manning. Now, in no way, shape, or form, I'm saying Jared Goff is comparing to Peyton Manning. But you get the similarities as in terms of the specific offenses. Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, who the Rams found out that they're losing for the whole year. And then Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark, and Marvin Harrison. And then Edron James and Todd Gurley. Obviously, Edron James is not the talent and the prospect that Todd Gurley is. But you get the similarities. Offense, offense, creative, innovative, could put up numbers. And then Sue and Aaron Donald, who I think is the best interior lineman in the NFL. In fact, the best defensive player in the NFL. And then back then you had Mathis and Freeney. The Colts kind of remind you of a modern day L.A. Rams. You know, they could put up numbers and they're out and they're blowing teams away that teams have to throw the football and catch up. And that's when you let Sue loose. That's when you let uh, Aaron Donald loose and do what they do in the trenches. And that's get after the quarterback and create havoc inside that pocket. Because when you do play the Rams, you have you don't have anything called the pocket because 
the pressure is coming up in front of you. And then they just picked up Dante Fowler out of the Jacksonville Jaguars. The LA Rams remind me of the early 2000 Colts with Peyton Manning and all of those necessary requisite weapons that he had around him. Now, in that 10-year or so stretch that they were together, the Colts only managed to win one Super Bowl. Now, this Rams team, they're still relatively young. All of their nucleus and their star players are all young. But we're going to find out about this Rams team. And I have them number two because I think they're dangerous because I think they can put up points. I think they can blow out teams early and let Sue Fowler and Aaron Donald get loose late. And that's where I think I have a number two. They are, you know, relatively young. They are relatively, you know, haven't been in the big games yet. Jared Groff having an exceptional season in the MVP conversation, although I don't think he'll uh, get a chance to earn it. But the LA Rams are my number two best one-loss team because I think, boy, when you can outscore teams early, it becomes an avalanche to climb and an uphill to climb because you're going to have to pass. You, you got to abandon the running game and you got to let Sue Fowler and Aaron Donald get after you. Good luck facing the Rams. The Rams are my number two ranked team as in terms of one loss teams. And then, of course, there's the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, you know, if you want to put him, Todd Gurley and Drew Brees in that sequential order, you want to say that Patrick Mahomes is leading the MVP race right now? I'm not going to argue with you. 31 touchdowns through nine or 10 weeks right now. Phenomenal NFL record by far. And it's not out of the realm that he passes Peyton Manning's single season touchdown pass record. The way that he's progressing, the way that he's moving, already having 31 midway, a little bit over midway through the season. That Chiefs offense is a juggernaut. Patrick Mahomes. He's a special talent. He's a special type of breed himself. You've got Kareem Hunt, who will go hunting on you if you don't pay attention. You got a game plan for him. A thing that I see Andy Reid doing a little bit more this year is using him more in the pass catching game. And he's just been a nightmare because he has that type of home run speed that can take it to the house. And then the skill position players. Tyreek Hill. You guys already know how I feel about my man Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey in the middle. And then you've got the speedsters out wide and Sammy Watkins, who they haven't utilized very well. But the upside and the talent and the prospect that uh, uh, Sammy Watkins is, you can't teach that. And so I think that moving on down the line and come November and December, Andy Reid is going to find different schematic schemes to get Sammy Watkins some open looks. Because that Chiefs offense is a juggernaut. You know, if you want to rank them ahead of the Saints offense or the L.A. Rams offense, you know what? I wouldn't blame you. I would have my own opinion about that. But I wouldn't blame you. You know, you got Tyreek Hill. You got Mahomes. You've got Kelsey in the middle. You got Hunt. You know, <laughs> it's just a lot to game plan for for any team. But the thing that I think that's going to hinder the Chiefs come January is that defense. 
that defense. Ranked 22nd overall. Ranked 25th against the pass. And 24th against the run. That is going to kill them come January. They can't stop anybody. They can't hold anybody to field goals. It's got to be up and down. And then come January, when you're playing the teams like a Deshaun Watson who could put up points, the quarterbacks like Phillip Rivers, who are in your division, who it's not sold yet that the Chiefs have wrapped up the AFC West because the Chargers have been red hot as of late. And the Tom Brady's, the big Ben Roethlisberger's, these quarterbacks that could put up numbers, these teams that can put astronaut astronomical numbers up it's not seen yet that the chiefs you know have everything in front of them yet now obviously they're one lost team the road to the afc would have to go through arrowhead they have that fan base in behind them tough place to play but i have them as my third number one lost team because i think that defense is the reason why they're not going to make it far. Now, if they get a chance to get Justin Houston back, we can get pressure uh, uh, after the quarterback and the leader of that team. And of course, the back end in Eric Berry. Perhaps we may have a different discussion, but I don't think they're coming back. I don't think they'll be 100% if they do come back. These two guys have been banged up for their entire careers, especially Eric Berry, who won comeback player of the year one time and is an impact player. But right now, I can't have the Kansas City Chiefs ahead of the Saints and the Rams because of that horrid defense that they have. And we'll be back in a couple minutes. This is Sebi's Podcast. And we're back live here on Sebi's Podcast. And um, we have a special, special guest star with us, returning star back on the show, live from Lincoln, Nebraska, Angel from the great Cornhusker State. How are you doing, my man? What's up, Seb? I'm good. Early morning. I, I, I woke up this morning because of you. I hope you know that. I don't have class till one. <laughs> oh, okay. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And we're back here on the show, guys. I'm Angel Pereira, our NBA guru. This week in the NF- in the NBA, should I say, has been very interesting. Mm. Um, we all know about the Jimmy Butler saga um, with him wanting <laughs> out of that whole debacle in Minnesota. Um, finally getting that trade to get traded to the Philadelphia 76ers. Now the Sixers have expectations now. Um, having their own big three with Ben, Joel Embiid, and Jimmy Butler. What do you what did you think about that trade? Bro, honestly, I was really happy. Like Jimmy Butler's talents were being squandered in Minnesota. And as much as I don't want to put down my fellow Dominican Paul Anthony Towns, like they're just not about hard work. We forget that this is Jimmy Butler, the guy who was homeless at one point. Not saying that they're not about hard work. Let me retract that statement. But they don't work as hard as Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is one of the first people to go into the gym, one of the last people to leave. And no way is he going to be outworked or outplayed by Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. And that was a fact. He went into practice and took the third strings and whooped all of the starters. Like, I feel 
that him and Philadelphia is just the perfect mix because they're about grind. They're about trusting the process and putting their best foot forward every game. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how him, Simmons, and Embiid kind of share the ball. But if anyone can do it, I think it's going to be Jimmy Butler. Yeah, Jimmy Butler, you you hit every all those points that you, you said there were accurate about his um, himself. Uh, this is a guy in Jimmy Butler who's a hard worker. We tend to forget that when Jimmy Butler first came into the league, and as a starter, that's what he drafted as out of pit, and he worked his way, worked his way, grind his way to be this All Star caliber player that he is on the offensive side of football, and. It's not other realms to say that he's probably one of the best two-way players in the NBA. He's right in that discussion. Yeah, no, definitely. It's not It's not a, a crazy thing to say that. And I believe that people are really going to see that now in Philadelphia, especially with this lackluster Eastern Conference. We're about to see... We're about to see Philly start eating, you know? And, and who's to say? Maybe, maybe Jimmy to Philly is that... X factor that they needed to stop losing to the Celtics so much, as uh, as Embiid put it. Right, right, right. And this was uh, Jimmy Butler in his press conference yesterday um, with the Philadelphia 76ers that he was getting announced in front of that um, fan base there. Let's take a listen to uh, some of his responses here. Yeah, uh, we're, we're being Joe and, you know, the guys on our roster, Yeah, big. And that was Jimmy Butler yesterday. And 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 what, 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 when you reflect on that, what do you think? Um, big time, man. I I have to say that I like Jimmy Butler a lot ever since he was in Chicago because he competes, man. Like he goes up for every loose ball. He's not afraid to play defense on your best player. It does not matter who you are. Like if you are standing in the way of him and a W, I feel bad for you. Get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, indeed, correct. Now, with him ascending himself and being with the Sixers in the in the East right now, um, do you feel as if that it's a four-team race? Because it's been wide open. You know, the Toronto Raptors um, has um, ascended themselves as the best team thus far through 14 games mm-hmm. in the East. Um, Boston is still trying to figure things out with Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving. And the Bucks have looked really good. So, with Jimmy Butler, where can you see the Sixers go? Um, honestly, I'm going to go off a little tangent and say it's a five-team race, bro. We cannot sleep on Indiana. Listen, Victor Oladipo is a hungry person. And, and he's he's a little Jimmy Butler, too. He loves to work and grind. And we saw him put the team on his back when he played the Celtics. So, you know, let's not forget about Indiana. And I guess, um, I don't know, bro. Like, truly, this Eastern Conference, I want to say it's up for grabs, you know, because just a couple months when we started talking, we, we said, you know, the Celtics look like they're going to be prime time to come out of the East. But like you said, I feel like Gordon Hayward as a player, you know, obviously coming back from such a devastating injury and who he was on the, on the Jazz, 
he's only as good as the team around him and he fits in with like a very good team system and i think the pros and cons of that is like the celtics are a great team but maybe there's just not room for gordon hayward so i don't know the celtics are trying to figure that out toronto looks good but you know me i'm a disrespect toronto every time they come up they're only good in the regular season. Come playoffs, they lose. But, like, I don't know. There's no LeBron in the East. So, maybe maybe the baby Raptors can uh, actually come out of the East for once in their lives. <laughs> and, um, honestly, Philadelphia, in in my eyes, Philadelphia has emerged with a, a legit shot at playing whoever it is in the Eastern Conference Finals seven times and, and, and winning. Okay, so you're, you're, you're going on a board statement and you think Philly is primed to get to the finals. Is that what I'm hearing? Um, uh, it depends, man. That's what I'm saying. Because, like, in the East, it's all about matchups. It's all about matchups. You know, I wouldn't want to see Philly and Giannis first round. You know, I wouldn't want to see the Bucks versus Philadelphia, but that very might possibly be the outcome and that game could go to seven games you know and and that can swing either way but you're right right i think with i mean i think with the bench that philly has maybe i don't know if wilson chandler is going to be starting but i do know that they have you know mcconnell Fultz, uh jeez uh, i don't know <laughs> They have Port Maz. They have Port Maz. Um, they, they have a, or whatever the heck his name is. I don't know. They, they have a weird they have bench. A, right. And that's that's where I think that that could be their Achilles heel. I think on paper, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers definitely has um, um, stardom potential when you talk about the, the you know, the, mm-hmm. the starting five. But when you go in, in their six, seven, eight, nine-man rotation mm-hmm. – there's not a lot of guys that kind of captures your attention be like, oh, okay, in a seven-game series, he might be a difference maker mm. on the bench. I haven't seen that from Fultz yet. The development of Fultz hasn't come yet. Yeah. Um, so I'm worried about that. And another thing is with the Bucks, they're interesting to me because Budenholzer is the coach. Um, I think um, besides LeBron James and free agency, I think he was the second marquee free agent, or not free agent, but signing, should I say, for the Bucks because they've always been good, but they never mm. had a coach. Now, what Budenholzer has done is use utilize the talent that Giannis is, and we know how, how free Big he is. Guy. And when he drives in the paint and kicks out, he's getting wide open looks for shooters uh, uh, like um, DiVincenzo, like Eric Middleton, Middleton, like Chris yeah. Middleton, and they benefit off of that. So I think the Bucks are really interesting too. Um, there's still some question marks with their big well. Um, is there safe to say there's just not one dominant team in the East yet? I think, and it's 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 weird because every time I watch the Bucks, I just keep yelling at the at my screen. I'm like, just give the ball to Giannis downhill because when Giannis is running in transition or just if he gets a little bit of momentum, like you're done, R.I.P. You know, like there's you're not gonna stop him. So if the Bucks can somehow manage to outrun any team that they're playing for seven games, they might be a serious contender. But at the same time, I've seen Giannis kick it out to people at the three-point line, and it's just been, like, 
what, 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 what are you doing out there? Like, what is Tony Snell or even Middleton? I don't know. I need to see more consistency out of Middleton. I know Shaq or someone was talking about how he's going to be an all-star this year. And I was like, bro, that's a hot take. That's a bold take. Well, Chris Middleton is, is, is pretty good, um, but um, there, there, are, there are question marks in his game as well because sometimes he does show up and there are games that he doesn't. So He's a poor man's KD. That's what I heard. <laughs> poor man's Kevin Durant. You can't afford a KD, get a KM. <laughs> right, right. This is Angel Pereira from uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, our NFL analyst here. And so we, we, we move into the opposite side. We go... Um, Cross country to the Western Conference. Um, this is a conference where you made a bold prediction, and I'm holding this against you. You said mm-hmm. that the Lakers is going to be an eight seed, and mm-hmm. you're looking really good. And I laughed at you, mm-hmm. but I guess you're having last laugh right now, huh? Mm-hmm. And and it's just because remember what I said: the Lakers are the only team that have to prove that they can make the playoffs in the West. All the other teams that I mentioned a couple months ago, they've they've said we've been here. We know what it takes to play the Warriors, and we're doing it. And a team that I low-key want to shout out, I went and I actually saw them live play against my Jazz, and they lost. I mean, my Jazz lost. But Denver is looking good, bro. I know I think they, I know I think they lost last night to the Rockets, but they're... I don't know what it is, bro. In that mile-high city, they got something cooking. and They got something that those players like. Jamal Murray's looking good. I could I could see more out of Gary Harris and I definitely would like them to play Malik Beasley a little bit more because Malik Beasley is just an absolute beast. If yo Beasley, if you're hearing this sometime, keep cooking, bro. Keep working. <laughs> like that that guy that guy can hoop. <coughs> right, right. And I agree with you on that, man. In the Pepsi Center, they are brewing something in Denver. I mean, Jokic and and Gary Harris. I, I saw the game where they played Boston, and, and Gary Harris just went not Gary Harris, uh, Murray just went wrong. Mm, Forty-eight. Right, right. And they're cooking something out there in the Pepsi Center because Jokic and Millsap, you have the game plan for them. And then once you sink the defense and suck it in into the paint, Jokic is a willing passer, and that's when the shooters like uh, Barton and and Gary Harris and Murray gets these open looks. They're brewing something in Denver, and I think they're uh, uh, in the third seed right now in the West. Yeah, Barton actually has been injured, so when he comes back and Isaiah Thomas comes back, and if Michael Porter Jr. decides on playing, that team is not going to be something to laugh at. Oh, no. I'm calling it right now for the next three seasons. Denver will be a top four seed in the Western Conference for the next three seasons. Michael Porter Jr. is, and and this is his ceiling. They say he's gifted as a scorer. They say that he's a Kevin Durant. Now, that's high praise because Kevin Durant is just an all-time mm-hmm. great. But if he can be anything like that mm-hmm. with the nucleus, the core nucleus that Denver has right now, look out. Yeah, I think they have the right people around uh, Porter Jr. to make him look good while also make the team look good. You know what I mean? Because, like, I like the the, the chemistry that they have right now. Jamal Murray and Gary Harris are, like, actually friends. You know, they they hang out outside of the court. Um, Jokic is a weird guy, but I like him a lot. I I think that's crazy that he got fined. (laughs) No homo. Dude, that cracked me up. I saw that on Twitter and I was just laughing for like five minutes straight. Like, who gets fined for that? That's crazy. But 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 seriously, the Nuggets, the Nuggets are good. And, and 
if they can keep getting that consistency out of Jamal Murray, if Jamal Murray could drop 48 on your team, on your point guard, I don't know what to tell you, bro. <laughs> right, 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 right. And any other teams in the Western Conference have caught your attention? The Blazers are up to number two. Um, there's there's other teams like um, the San Antonio Spurs who are still trying to get acclimated with their new pieces. What other team in the Western Conference has caught your attention? Um, the Pelicans, baby. The Pelicans. What what did I tell you about Anthony Davis, bro? I said Anthony Davis and the Pels are not playing, bro. Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday brought the clamps against Kawhi last night. I don't know if you saw that game, but the yes, Pelicans the yeah. Pelicans went to Toronto and said, Oh, I'm sorry, is this your best team in the East? You wouldn't even make it in the playoffs in the West. We <laughs> I was like, yo. They playing hard. They playing real good. If Anthony Davis can stay healthy, and um, you know, hopefully they keep playing Jaheel Okafor a little bit and Julius Randle. They got good bigs. They got a good backcourt in Elfred, which you know me. I, I always give high praise to my boy Elfred, Orlando Magic product. I love him. He's back home. I think he's injured, but when he comes off of that injury and he's playing with AD or Julius Randle or Okafor in the pick and roll. And he has Drew Holiday, Etwan Moore, who's not a not a bad shooter. You know, they they've got they've got the pieces that they need to. They've got know, some pieces. Just keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. Right, right, they've got some pieces, and and Gentry can coach. That's one thing I can say. He came from oh, yeah. Steve Kerr's tree in Golden State. He can coach, and um, Anthony Davis is just there. There aren't enough words or superlatives to lament the greatness of. Anthony Davis, he's just a once-in-a-generational type talent. You can't really stop him. You can only hope to neutralize him. And he goes at the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, if the Pelicans are smart, they start talking to AD this year. And they say, AD, you stay. We will find help for you. Because the Pelicans right now, they're not too far off from a championship. They're really not. They have a good point guard. They have a good backcourt, a good frontcourt. Maybe if they could get just another solid, like, three or maybe work on their bench a little bit, you know, and, and give Anthony Davis a reason to be a Pelican, he'll say. And uh, Miritich has definitely helped with the three-point shooting as well. They, they've got some oh, yeah, big time. Absolutely. Big time. Yeah. Another team... Um, that I, I kind of want to talk about. And of course, you know that I was going to bring up my 2K super team, my Jazz. The Jazz, uh, at some times it, this season, I mean, oh, oh, as always, the Jazz are a team. If, for the people who don't know this, I'm a Jazz fan because they play team basketball. Quinn Snyder has just, Quinn Snyder is a great coach, a very underrated coach. People don't know much about Quinn. But he is super intelligent, and uh, there's just, there, there's a clip that I saw of him just after the game that he went up and he like like pushed Jay Crowder to get his attention, and Jay like turned around and when he saw who it was, it was Quinn, and they like they just like really hugged, you know. And and I always see how Joe Ingles and Donovan and Ricky and Gobert and how they all interact on Twitter, and and they have like a palpable chemistry, you know. The one thing that I I would just be begging of Utah 
and this is the reason why they lost in the Pepsi Center too, because the whole game they were close, bro. I I witnessed it live. The whole game they're close. Third quarter, they started kind of like falling a little bit apart at the seams because Donovan had an ankle injury, like he twisted it, but he came back in the fourth. And it's just they need to get more effective looks. Like they swing the ball very well, but when it comes to getting the points in the bucket, it's like, okay, well, who's gonna be the selfish person? You know, I kind of want to see a little bit of that selfishness out of Donovan Mitchell and not see him play so much of a role player. Granted, it is they are a team, you know, and, and that's what makes them team basketball. But, you know, when when time comes, I, I need to see Donovan kind of step up a little bit. You got to see Donovan Mitchell take that next step forward. Yeah. Like, no disrespect to Joe Ingles, but it, it, it can't be Joe Ingles. You know, it has to be Donovan. Right, right. And thank you, Andrew, for chiming with us here all the way from Lincoln, Nebraska here. Uh, this is Seven's Podcast. We want to thank for all. And others, uh, the Geico Gecko, for making this podcast possible. And remember, listening on air. Podcast is wherever you go.